All right, so I get into this here. Um, we're in we're in First uh, Peter chapter two. We've been going through First Peter for a couple weeks here, um, and we're in chapter two, beginning verse one. And this is what it says: Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Verse 2 says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, there's so much right there. I mean, we got so, so much today. Uh, but right there, I just want to point this out. Rid yourself. Rid yourself of what? Of malice? You know, that's hatred in your heart and deceit and hypocrisy. There's no place for hypocrisy in the church. Envy. Let's not be envious. We can't be the people where God's calling us to be if we're going to be envious. And slander, that's just, it's not good. Uh, the, the, the word deceit, I feel like this is a great opportunity for me to camp out on this one for just a second here. Uh, last week I heard about this. I think it was last week. Amy Cornwell told me on uh, Saturday night she received an email from me uh, at 1130 at night asking for money um, for well, it was asking for gift cards for my staff. Like, I would do that. I would not do that. Okay, so anyway. Um, so it, and then I would tell you about another one. Before that, there was one in, in a, that sent out under Patty Pollard um, with her picture on it. And, and, and it was not from Patty. Um, what I'm telling you here, somebody, I think, this is like not something from Nigeria, one of those uh, very generic scams. Somebody's like getting on our website and taking our information and it's sending it out to our people. Um, I just need you guys to be alert. That's deceptive. That is not right. None of, these, none of this is right. Malice is not right in the church. Deceit is not right in the church. Hypocrisy, envy, slander. We talked about these things. Like We are to be holy. That's not holy. It's not holy. Like, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk is what it says. Now, the spiritual milk, I don't, I don't understand you know, the, the figurative language that Peter's using so much, but I understand that word pure is the same word that we talked about last week, hagios, which is the, the word where we, that, that's the word holy, hagios, holy, pure, crave purity, crave holiness. I want to ask you, do you desire holiness? Do you crave holiness? Verse 3 says, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And let me ask you, is that, is that true for you? Have you tasted that the Lord is good? He has made himself known to you. You've experienced it firsthand. God is an awesome God. Then we go on verse 4. It says, as you come to him, it's talking about Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. Talking about Jesus Christ here, the living stone, a rock, the rock of our salvation, but he's been rejected by the world. Why is that? Why? It also says God sees he's precious to God the Father. And then verse 5, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, now this stood out to me. I, I'm wondering if I can bring this to, to life for us here. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. All right, you think about the, you think about the, the, the Israel and, and, and that area, they, 
not, you know, their construction wasn't like our construction. We used wood, we used metal, they used rock, they used stone. Um, and, and it was, uh, I was, I was talking to somebody the other day about, um, not to embarrass Simon, uh, but, you know, what, and, okay, really, why not, you know? Um, so, but when Simon was a little boy, Simon, uh, he had Legos um, all around his bed. And, um, and they were his art, that, his masterpieces. And, and most of these masterpieces, we weren't allowed to touch them. You know, no, don't you dare touch his masterpieces. And all these masterpieces were basically two, lo- two Legos put together. Um, it's not a masterpiece, you know. It's, it's, it's nothing, you know. And, and I got to the point where I kind of hate Legos because our house was filled with Legos. And, and, you know, you couldn't walk from one room to another room without stepping on a Lego. And if you were barefoot, it just hurt. And I just hate Legos. I'm like, ah. And, uh, but they were, I've seen Legos that have been built into some really incredible things. But I've also seen Legos just laying on the carpet that's just there to hurt you. That's all it's there for, you know. Uh, It's useless. And when I see living stones, we are living stones being built into a spiritual house. When when we come together, we can be something pretty impressive. We can be something pretty incredible. And that's what God is doing with his people. we're, We're coming together to be his masterpiece. But if we don't come together, what are you? You're a living stone. You're a Lego on the carpet. You're a pain. Sorry, I, I, I got too carried away on that one. Um, so, but, so, 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 it says in verse six. For, in, for the scripture says, "See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone." Still talking about Jesus Christ here. The one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious. And isn't that what Jesus is? Jesus is precious to us. We have put our faith in Jesus. I wish the world understood how precious he was. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes man to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message. That can't be true for us. I don't want us to stumble. I don't want want us to disobey the message. We need to hear what what God is telling us here as we're we're looking at the Scripture. But it's telling us here, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the capstone. Jesus is a precious stone, a precious stone to God the Father, a precious stone to you and I. Or he's a trip hazard for those who reject him. Those who do not believe in him, he, he's going to make them fall. He's going to cause them to stumble. And my question, why? Why, why would people reject him? And, and then I see verse 9. Let me read this here before I really get into this here. You are a chosen people, a royal, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. This is talking about you. You who put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And if I could, if I could read that in such a way to put the emphasis where it needs to be, once you were not a people, once you were nothing, and now you are the people of God. Do you understand that? Do you get that? When it says once you were not a people, what were you? You weren't a people, you were 
just an individual, just a person, not connected. You were a Lego laying on the carpet. It's what you were. But you see what Jesus does, does for us here? But not a people, not a people. I have here two worldviews that I want to put side by side today for us to understand here. The first worldview is a very popular worldview is you know, to express yourself, right? And it's, it's the world of meism, where it's all about me, individualism. And, and I did a study on this a couple of years ago, and the word that stood out to me was toxic individualism. You know, individualism sounds like a wonderful thing, but it's so toxic, or radical individualism. This is the world that we live in today. This is, this is what secularism has given us. And if you, if you really take it to its last level, it's a world of narcissists. Um, that's the natural result of secularism, um, a way of life that makes the individual supreme and sovereign over everything. It's a modern culture phenomenon. Um, it's, it's plaguing our nation today. You know the word individualism didn't exist 100 years ago? That's a relatively new word in our world. Uh, but it's everywhere. This modern-day blight manifests itself in the expression, express yourself, be your own person, do your own thing. I mean, it's on the radio all the time. It's on commercials all the time, TV all the time. It's all the songs. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. That's what it's all about. Billy Joel, who I love, I love Billy Joel. He sings the song, My Life, My Life. It's all about me. And, and you think about this. You think about the pros of this mentality. You, the, the, it, it, you know, we, we, we grow up in America. Our founding fathers recognized that, that mankind possesses unalienable rights. Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they may be that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, and that that among these are life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And, and these rights that these rights are now considered to be universal. Everyone is entitled to the right to life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness. We are a free people. Praise God, we're a free people, and these unalienable rights. Uh, have, have evolved into uh, to civil rights, which is a good thing, and, and women's rights, which has been a good thing for a lot of people, religious rights. I, I, I love that we have rights. You, know, you got Miranda rights. You know what that is? That, that, you know, even, if you, even if you get arrested, you still have rights. And, and now we have gay rights, and, and everybody has rights. Everybody has rights. And we have freedom of speech. You can say whatever you want. You have free, the freedom of expression. You can do whatever you want. We are a free people. And, and maybe because we've grown up in America, in America, maybe because we've always, you know, there's always been taught and preached, you know, don't let anybody tell you what you can do and what you can't do and what you can say and what you can't say and what you can believe and what you can't believe. You are, you are sovereign. That's, that's where all this leads. It's all about me, what I like, what I want, what I think which is a song, um, most people see individualism as healthy. It promotes freedom. It promotes self-esteem. Um, so, you know, we, we talk about this here, and, and if I wasn't saying it in such a tone, everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay, well, there's a dark side to this. Do we, do we see the dark side? Do we understand the dark side, the, you know, the characteristics, uh, uh, this, this express yourself mentality, this meism mentality, this individual, individualism? It thinks of self over others. Got to look out for number one, right? And who is number one? 
God is number one, not me, not you. God says you shall have no other gods before me. And when we make it all about ourselves, is that, that's, just not, that's idolatry is what that is. It's idolatry. Another, another thing I see here is lawsuits over reconciliation. Uh, we live in the land of lawsuits. Um, remember Paul Harvey used to call us the uh, sewers. Uh, we were sewers. Um, and we, because we, we, would, we care more about our rights than we care about other people. Uh, so instead of reconciling, we sue. Um, characteristics are individual rights over community responsibility. We care more about our rights than we care about our community. Um, the cons of a world full of people expressing themselves, where what you think and what you want is sovereign and trumps everything else, I want you to think about some of these cons. First of all, there's no commitment. This is why sign-up sheets hardly ever work in a church, because people are always waiting for uh, something better, always shopping for something better. Um, there's no commitment. Can't get people to commit to anything, because they're going to commit to the thing that most suits them, the thing that's best for them. Um, so no commitment, no accountability, because... You don't answer anyone. And this is, this is a huge problem in the church today. Now, we can't, you know, if, if, if you're in error, I can't come along. It's, it's so hard to, to hold someone accountable in the, in the church anymore because people just get so defensive and they get mad because they don't want anybody telling them what they can do and what they can't do. So you try to come along and you're trying to, you're trying to help, but instead of helping, they just leave and go to another church. No accountability. And there's no community. This is why we live in a world full of privacy fences and garage door openers. You, you, can go, you can go all through life without ever making any contact with a neighbor, ever seeing, no, not seeing anybody. We, we have built these walls around ourselves um, to protect ourselves and to protect our stuff and it, because it's all about us. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. And when you think about what the Bible says, I would tell you, you can't do much of the Bible alone. 47 times the Bible commands us one another verses. We are to love one another. We are to pray for one another. We are to encourage one another. We are to build up one another. We are to live in community. And, and the exact opposite is happening in our world. We're not living in community. We're living in isolation. Number one, number one reason 1.2 million people leave the church each year is because they don't feel connected. They want to be connected. They're looking for community, and they're not finding community. And they're not finding community because of this meism stuff that's going on. Uh, and, 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 and somebody would say, well, the answer is small groups. If we had small groups, then people would get connected, right? Well, one, one guy, he, he observed this. Small groups mainly provide occasions for individuals to focus on themselves in the presence of others. There you go. You know, there's a problem. You know, you're, you're trying to do a Bible study. Well, this is how I feel about it. This is what I think. Like, anybody cares what you think or how you feel about it. Uh, sorry, I'm supposed to be encouraging one another and building each other up. But you know, when you make it all about yourself, you know, this meism, it just, the community suffers. Toxic individualism is a problem. A self-centered world is destructive. The person is primarily concerned with his rights, his privileges, his happiness, and all other relationships suffer. And no one is happy. And you think that selfishness is nothing new in our world? I mean, it's been around forever. But now, 
it's openly celebrated. It used to be restrained by society. Now it's promoted by our society. And do we see the damage that it's doing? No commitment, no accountability, no community, and it leads to the fourth thing, there is no effectiveness. We're, we're not being the people that God has called us to be. We're not doing the things that God has called us to do. You, you think of the verse in Matthew 5, you are, a light of the, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And we sing the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine in my big mansion with my privacy fences where it's all about me. Nobody's going to see that light. Nobody wants to see that light. That light's not going to do anybody any good. That's one worldview. Now, I want to contrast that worldview with a worldview that, that's not so popular, but what Jesus called us to is to die to ourselves. Think about some of these verses in Luke 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Anybody ready to sign up for that? You know, any commitments on that one? Why, why is that not appealing? Why do people, why do people say, oh, no, I don't want anything to do with this Christianity. I don't want to do that. That, that looks hard. That looks difficult. And Peter says in this chapter, he says in verse 24, he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins. And, and, and I would say synonymous with sin is the self. You may die to self and live for righteousness. Live for something other than yourself. Live for the glory of God. That's when you find purpose. That's when life starts making sense. That's, this is what Christ is calling us to. Matthew 10 says, anyone who, anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That's what Jesus said. So, so how can I make this more appealing to us? Where we say, yes, I am committed to this life. I want to live this life. I don't want to live in a world of meism, this toxic individualism, which, which is destructive to me and my family and everyone I love and to the world. Let me, let me read Galatians 5 to you. It's, uh, uh, this is a lengthy passage here. Uh, Galatians 5, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free. Yes, you were. Praise God. We've been called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature, your, that toxic individualism. Rather, Use it to serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Be holy. Stop being selfish and, and self-centered. It says in verse 17, the sinful nature, the me, this meism, desire, desires what is contrary to the spirit. In the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousies, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, in envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. None of these things are holy. That's what we talked about last week. We are to be holy. That's not holy. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what holiness is. Against such things there is no law. Those, those who, who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature with, with his passions and desires. Crucified that toxic individualism. Let's not become conceited and provoking and envying each other. Once again, the focus on let's be holy. The, the cons, the cons with this worldview. I can't do what I want. That's a bummer. I can't do what my flesh wants. The Bible teaches us that we, we've been bought with a price. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the Bible even teaches that we're slaves to Christ, servants of Christ. Um, and, and you think that through. Somebody, now, now, somebody who's experienced the grace of God, they're ready for that. They receive that. that they have no problem with that. Somebody who grows up in the church, and they, they've heard the preacher say this all their lives, and they've heard mom and dad say all this, li- their, all this stuff all their lives, but they've not experienced the grace of God yet. This is just legalism. This is, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I mean, you, 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 you think about it, you, you can't do what you want, you can't do what your flesh wants, and it leads, you know, some people are quite rebellious to this. Some, some church-going people are quite rebellious to this. They don't want Jesus telling them what to do. You know, I don't want Jesus telling me what to do with my marriage. I don't want Jesus telling me what to do with my finances. I don't want Jesus telling me what to do, period. Which leads to, I don't want Jesus and they reject Jesus, and they stumble over the cornerstone. They stumble. So the con is you can't do what you want. And I get that. I get that. But contract, the pro to dying to yourself is I can change the world. You can change the world. This little light of mine and this little light of yours and yours and everybody else, our lights together is going to be a very bright light that the world cannot ignore. And it will bring glory to God, and it will bring the lost to God. People will see this light, and people will glorify God. We need to die to ourselves and find our place in the body of Christ. Be his people. The Bible says we are a chosen people. You are a chosen people. You think about that. How Rodney Stark says one of the distinctive marks of early Christianity was the, the sheer diversity of the church. One place where slave and free and rich and poor and young and old and Jew and Greek and rulers and servants all came together in the church. In the rest of the world, I mean, it wasn't like that. I mean, Jesus broke down the, the wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. There was this race, and there was this race. And Jesus broke down that wall of hostility, and they become one people. Now it wasn't Jews and Gentiles, now there's Christian. In the Roman world, the Roman world separated themselves from, from uh, the, the rich separated themselves from the poor, but Christians didn't do that. Christians recognized we're all poor. Christians recognized we were all just one race, the human race, the condemned, sinful human race in desperate need of Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, it's because God has chosen you to be a part of a new, born-again race made up of all nations, tribes, and cultures, and languages, and peoples of the earth. Christianity is exclusive because the only way you can get in is by Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. But it's the most inclusive, exclusive 
thing there's ever been. That should have came out better. Uh, but you understand, it's, it's the most inclusive. Ex- All you've got to do is make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, and you're in. You're a part of this chosen race. And we are a royal, a royal priesthood. Royal because we are children of God, and he is the king of the universe. And, and if you're a child of God, you are royalty. But, but not just royalty, you are also a priest. We're a royal priesthood. When you think about what a priest does. A priest um, represents God to, to people. You know, we, we, we know the will of God. We know the word of God. So we speak the word of God to a people who needs to hear the word of God. But, but not only that, we also, uh, we also represent people to God. I want you to think about that. As it says in the, um, Revelation, smoke and the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints going up before God. The prayers of the saints. That why, why do we pray? We pray for people who don't know God. We sang a song about this last week. Uh, day and night, night and day, let incense rise. When, when we pray for people, it's, it's like incense to, to, to God. And that's what we are called to do. We are called to pray to, for, pray to God for people. We're called to make uh, spiritual sacrifices. Our body is to be a living sacrifice. The praises of our lips is a, is a sacrifice. All of our resources we sacrifice for the glory of God. Uh, the people that we win to, to Christ, it says in Romans 15, uh, with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God. So they would be sanctified. So they would know Jesus Christ. Now, uh, now two things, if, if I haven't bored you yet, two things I want to give you is uh, uh, the ephod is mentioned in the Old Testament. That's a, that's a breastplate that, that, that the priest would wear, um, part of his priestly garment, all right? And the, and the ephod had 12 stones on it, and those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. So the, 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 12, tribes of East, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel were always on his heart. Yeah, did you get that, you know? And, and, and Jesus is our high priest, and we are always on his heart, he has this on his heart. And you and I are called to be priests, which is so different. In the Old Testament, only the Levites could be priests. Um, so they were priests, um, but now we are priests. In the New Testament, if you're a Christian, you are a priest. You are a part of that, that tribe. You are a priest. And now we have people on our heart. People are always on our heart that we're wanting to bring to Christ. Um, so I want you to think, that's what the ephod represents, people being on our, our hearts. Um, and it, so that's part of our priestly garment right there. Um, and, 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 and another thing that, that uh, my attention went to today, or this week, was, uh, the, it's something called mikvah, the mikvah. The, the Old Testament priests were initiated into the ministry by going through a mikvah, a ceremonial uh, immersion in water. Huh, does that sound familiar? Uh, Leviticus uh, 8 verse 6, Moses brought Aaron and his sons forward to wash them with, with water, and that's how they began their priestly duties. They were washed in water, and then they became priests for the people. Think that through here. Jesus, when he began his ministry, he went to John the Baptist and, and told John the Baptist, I, I need you to baptize me. And John says, I'm so unworthy to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And, and Jesus said, no, this needs to happen to fulfill, to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus, John the Baptist baptized Jesus, and then Jesus began his ministry. Now, I think, I think about your baptism. When you were, you know, baptism means a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff that comes up with baptism. Um, 
But I want you to see this. This is one part of it. Your baptism is what initiates you into being a priest for God. From this day forward, you serve God. From this day forward, you represent God to people, and you represent people to God. You are a royal priesthood. Um, and what does it also say? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to rush. Okay. You're a holy nation. You're a holy nation uh, where, where Christ is sovereign, um, where we're working together to build his kingdom here on this earth. Thy will be done, not our will. Thy kingdom come. Um, Chuck Colson, he, he wrote, he says, when, when we think about our churches, um, what our churches should become, he says, the metaphor of a nation should factor into our planning. We should think of our church as a nation. We should think of our church and all the other churches in the area working together as a nation. We all have duties. We all have privileges. We are all governed by, what, the president? No, but we're governed by the Holy Spirit. We're all instructed in the ways of righteousness and justice. We know what God's laws are. We are all part of the army of God. And we're all on active duty. We are a nation. We are a holy nation. That's what God's people are. That's what God's church is. And not just this church, but all churches. Um, so so don't, don't miss who the church is and what the church does. And we are a people belonging to God. A people belonging to God is what it says. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have purpose. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. What a privilege that is. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. And, and just let me end with this. The, the pros of this is that leads to goodness. Um, verse 12 says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they, they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. There should, the world should see the goodness coming from among Christians who are living their lives for God. The world should see that, and the world should take note of that, and hopefully the world would be attracted to that, and then they, they would, there would be more goodness. Instead of living in a world full of trash, a world full of uh, evil, a world full of just toxic individualism, there would be goodness, and God would be glorified, once again, so they, the pagans may see your good deeds and, and glorify God on the day he, he visits us. This is a, when the world sees this and they glorify God, then there would be transformation in their life, and, and, and then they become a part of the spiritual house as well, and the house gets bigger and bigger and better and better, and there's peace. Verse 13 says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake, to every authority instituted among men. We're going to talk about this more next week. Whether to the king or as a supreme authority or the governors who are sent, uh, sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Wouldn't that make the world different? If people would do that. And love the brotherhood of believers. Wouldn't that make the world different? Fear God. Wouldn't that make the world different? And honor the king. Uh, these are instructions given to God's people. He wants us to be a blessing, not be a curse. We are, we are free. Live as free men. But don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Uh, embrace that freedom. 
but be responsible with that freedom and, and be blessed. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It, it is a blessing to be a part of God's kingdom, to be a part of God's family, to be a, one of his chosen people. Rick Warren says this, you were, you were made by God and for God. And un- until you understand that, life will never make sense. You were made for God, not vice versa, and life is, is about letting God use you for his purposes, not you using him for your own purposes. Very profound. Um, there, there's, a, there's a story about uh, the, the king of Sparta. He boasted about the walls of Sparta, how great the walls of Sparta was. And a, mon- a visiting monarch, he came and he was looking around, he couldn't see the walls. He's like, where, where are these walls you're talking about? I th- came here, went and experienced these wonderful, beautiful walls. Where are these walls? And the king of Sparta pointed to his army. said, these are the walls of Sparta. Every man a brick. See where I'm going with this here? I, I, I'm looking at God's people. These are the walls of God's kingdom. Every man and woman a brick, which is making the kingdom of God a beautiful, wonderful reality here on this earth. But we have to be connected. We have to be a community. We need to come together. We need to live for, as God has, has instructed us, a holy people, doing it his way, so he will be glorified, and so we won't just be a Lego on the carpet for somebody to get hurt on. That makes sense. Let me, let me read John 17. This is Jesus. Jesus prayed, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The world's not going to believe until we come together, until we be one as a people. Verse, uh, verse 22 says, I have given them the glory that you've given me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That is our Lord's prayer. That we wouldn't just be living stones doing our own thing but that we would be living stones doing a God thing, dying to ourselves and living for his glory, declaring his praises so that the world will see. Are we committed to that? Are you committed to that? Are you ready to sign up? Do you know what it is that God is asking of you? If so, let's do it.